All right, well, welcome back to our systematic theology study. Uh, we are going to be looking at uh, number 25 in our series of 60. This time it will be the names of Christ. Um, we're in kind of a section here specifically on Christ. Last time we looked at the creeds, uh, the Christ of the creeds, and next time we'll look at the states of Christ. We'll kind of follow our usual format that we settled into here. I will uh, start with an introduction by uh, reading a, a short uh, article that's relevant, and then we will uh, pause to watch our video together, and then we'll come back and we'll go through our overview sheet, which also has our uh, discussion questions and, and reminders for us, and then we'll finish off by uh, reading chapter 8 of our confession, which um, is specifically on Christ, and when we read it, we're going to read it with a, a focus um, paying attention to the names or, or titles of Christ uh, in the confession as we go through, and I think it'll be uh, kind of more significant um, after we, we discuss uh, and, and go through the video. Um, but what we're looking at here really is, you know, what's in a name? So what, what's the importance uh, of a name or title? I know we're in a culture kind of where uh, parents usually name their kids just based upon either something that sounds cool or uh, passing down a, a name from a, a grandparent or great-grandparent. But, you know, in the, in the first century, the culture was quite a bit different. Names were much more uh, significant in general, especially when you look at the uh, Jewish culture. You know, there was a, a lot of thought that went into basically the circumstances uh, of the child's birth. And so those names were, were really more meaningful and significant as far as who that person is, um, because it was about the circumstances. And like I said, the names also include titles here. So if you think about it, if you've never met somebody, let's say you've never met Joe Smith, and I, I just, you know, introduced Joe Smith to you, you know absolutely nothing about this person except their name Joe Smith. But if I give a title, if I say, um, you know, have you met Senator Joe Smith? Now you already know a whole lot about this person just because I gave him gave a title. Or the Honorable Joe Smith, well, you, you know, um, at least you know what kind of job they do just, just by giving that title. Um, so titles are included here in names, and we'll see many of the titles of Christ as we discuss. Um, so yeah, let's go ahead, let's read our introductory article, and then we'll move on to our video. Okay, uh, if you want to have a deeper understanding of who Jesus is, pay attention to the titles that are given to him in Scripture. Um, if you, <clears throat> that was kind of an introduction to the article here. If you want to have an <clears throat> expanded understanding of Jesus, pay attention to the titles that are given. I remember, remember several years ago, there was a theological seminary in the United States that had scheduled a convocation on camp, campus, an academic convocation and they had invited a famous theologian to come in and give an address in the area of Christology. And this man was highly learned with all the right academic credentials. <clears throat> and you have to understand that in a university or an academic institution, a convocation is not a pep rally. It's not a chapel service. It's a very formal academic type of a gathering where a renowned scholar will come in and give his latest research or his latest insights into a technical problem related to a scholarship. And so when this gentleman arrived on the campus, all the students flocked into the hall where the convocation was being held, 
and the faculty was all there in full regalia. And they were expecting him to give a technical dissertation and some aspect of, on some aspect of Jesus because he had told them in advance that he would lecture in the field of Christology. And he shocked everybody because he got up in front of the entire convocation and he said, here's what I want you to learn today about Jesus. And instead of giving an address of analysis of biblical Christology, all he did for 45 minutes was stand there and recite, one after another, all the titles that are found in the Bible for Jesus. Without comment, without analysis, without interpretation, he just stood up there and said, Jesus is the Christ, Lord, Son of David, Son of God, the Lion of Judah, the Lamb of God, our righteousness, the Prince of Peace, the Suffering Servant, Savior, Lord, the Lily of the Valley, the Rose of Sharon, our Great High Priest, the mercy seat, and for 45 minutes it went on, not a word of theological comment. And when he was done, the entire theological community was wiped out just by a litany of the biblical titles for Jesus. Just overwhelming. What an experience to have them compressed into one short space of time. And so when we talk of Jesus, we have to talk of Jesus as the incomparable Christ. So I think that's pretty amazing that it took 45 minutes to get through all the names and titles of Christ in Scripture. Uh, that's, that's pretty astounding. All right, so let's pause now. We'll watch our video, and then we'll come back and do our overview. All right, well, we are done with our video. Um, I think it was very informative and helpful. Uh, let's go over our overview sheet and our questions, um, and then after that we'll look at our, our confession. So, number 25, the names of Christ. Um, Introduction. Different titles of Christ throughout history are descriptive of his character and nature. Here we look at the prominent names of Christ found in the New Testament. Overview. Titles of God are revealing of his character. At a particular seminary, one scholar gave an unconventional lecture by reciting the names of Jesus as found in Scripture. Notice each time that Scripture assigns a title to Jesus. The vast majority of titles of Jesus are revealing of his very nature. His most frequent title is Christ. Christ is not Jesus' last name. Rather, it means Messiah, or the Anointed One. For Jesus to be the Messiah, he must be the Lamb of God, the Great High Priest, and many other things. Many of the titles of Jesus interconnect with Messiah. Jesus' followers got into a great deal of trouble with the title Lord. It meant that Caesar was not Lord, nor anyone else. Jesus alone was the Christian's true king, and this claim was very much at the heart of the persecution of the early church. However, this title also meant Sir. Son of Man is used much less frequently than the other titles, though it is Jesus' favorite title for himself. In fact, all but three of the over 80 usages are Jesus referring to himself. Why? It is a designation of a royal deity and judge, as noted in Daniel 7.13. So let's just pause real quick and actually look at that. I've got my Bible open. You don't have to turn there, but just listen. So Daniel 7.13. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man, 
And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. Actually, let me go to 14 too. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. So we see uh, Son of Man is a very significant title. All right, uh, let's look at our questions and answers, which kind of help review uh, what, what we need to take away from our, our session. Is Christ part of Jesus's full name? No, Christ comes from the Greek word Christos, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament word Messiah, meaning anointed one. And it is Jesus's most common title, but not his last name. Which title did Jesus most frequently use to refer to himself? Son of Man. In Daniel 7.13, which we just read, the Son of Man is given authority to judge the world and represents the divine visitation of the Lord. And in this context, this title does not refer to Jesus' humility, but to his unique authority as Messiah. What is the Greek word for Lord? Kyrios. Caesar ascribed this term to himself, but followers of Jesus confessed, Jesus ho Kyrios, which means Jesus is Lord. Which title is representative of the covenant name for Yahweh? Lord, that's with capitals L-O-R-D. Lord in small capitals is a translation of the sacred name Yahweh, and when Lord, with lowercase, is used in upper and lowercase letters, it is a translation of the Hebrew word Adon or Adonai, the highest title for God as sovereign creator. What does doulos mean? Slave. Doulos in the New Testament was a term for one who was enslaved, and when we declare Christ as Lord, we understand that we are not our own, Rather, we have been purchased by the blood of Christ, and in Christ we are no longer slaves to sin, but slaves of Christ. What title of Jesus was a challenge to the authority of Caesar? Lord, this is with the lower cases. The imperial use of Lord is the highest use of the term, and Caesar claims sole title to the imperial usage. All right, so let's look at our discussion questions. How are the names of Christ theologically significant? Because it shows his piercing your sinner, representing the sinner. Shows his status. Okay. Okay, we couldn't hear what Misty said. Oh, sorry. <laughs> She's going to come by the phone and say it again. Okay. I was just saying it shows the status and the significance of his name. Of, or of who he is. I'm sorry. The name shows the status and significance of who he is. So it's revealing of his nature from a theological standpoint, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. What is the most frequently used title of Jesus in Scripture, and what does this title mean? 
She's checking her notes. <laughs> Christ, which is, it means the Messiah, the one who is anointed. Correct. Christ is the most frequently used. Yes, Christ, meaning the Messiah, or the anointed one. And that is the most frequently used, and it is a title, not just a name. Which I accidentally told, said it was just a name, but it's not. What's, what's that? I said I accidentally said it was a name of Christ, but oh. it's not. <laughs> yeah. It's the title of Christ. Yeah, well, I mean, if you're if you're viewing titles as a subcategory of names, I guess you could declare it a name, but it's not part of his given name, right? His earthly given name. What are some of the meanings of the title Lord? And this is with lowercase letters here. Is that the curious doulas in the imperial? Right, kind of sir or a, a slave owner, right? Uh, or in Later on in history, you could say landowner. So um, this, this is a, a title of designation and, and respect. Which title? Yeah, go ahead. But then we get to the title which proclaims his deity. Yes, so then Lord with the capital letters is a translation of Yahweh, right? So that's a, that's a bit different than Lord with the lowercase letters. All right, which title does Jesus use most frequently to refer to himself, and what is the significance of this title? Lord. No, Son of Man. Son of Man, correct. What's the significance of Son of Man? Say again, I couldn't hear. Okay, good. <laughs> So what's the significance of Son of Man, the title? It's a designation of royalty and deity as judge. Right, so you're hitting on it there. So it's authority, right? Yeah. The Son of Man has been given authority to judge the world. So that's a very significant title. And interesting, that is Jesus' favorite title for himself. It's like a, almost like a reminder to us, right, of, of yeah. who who he is, or what not only who he is, but what we need to remember about him. Okay, so what I want to do now is I want to go ahead and look at chapter eight of our confession, and this is the chapter specifically on Christ in our confession. Lowell, do you want to go ahead and mute it while I read? Okay, uh, so chapter 8 of our confession, uh, this is the uh, Second London Baptist Confession of Faith, 1689. Um, it is entitled, Of Christ the Mediator. So this is the chapter in our confession that specifically deals with the nature of Christ. And since there's a few paragraphs here, quite a few actually, 10 paragraphs, I'm just going to kind of read through it. We're not going to stop and discuss or look at any of the scripture references. We don't have that, that time to, to flesh that out. But what I want you to listen to while I'm reading is when the names or titles for Christ pop up in our confession. And then think about what, what the sentence is saying in light of those titles, now that we've kind of discussed what some of those titles mean and the fact that they have tremendous significance behind them. 
and that they aren't just, you know, Mr. kind of titles. Um, so beginning in paragraph one, it pleased God in his eternal purpose to choose and ordain the Lord Jesus, his only begotten son, according to the covenant made between them both, to be the mediator between God and man, the prophet, priest, and king, head and savior of his church, the heir of all things, and judge of the world, unto whom he did from all eternity give a people to be his seed and to be by him in time redeemed, called, justified, sanctified, and glorified. Paragraph 2. The Son of God, the second person in the Holy Trinity, being very and eternal God, the brightness of the Father's glory, of one substance and equal with him, who made the world, who upholds and governs all things. He has, <clears throat> excuse me, he has made, did, when the fullness of time was come, take upon him man's nature, with all the essential properties and common infirmities thereof, yet without sin, being conceived by the Holy Spirit in the womb of the Virgin Mary, the Holy Spirit coming down upon her, and the power of the Most High overshadowing her, and so was made of a woman of the tribe of Judah, of the seed of Abraham and David, according to the Scriptures, so that two whole, perfect, and distinct natures were inseparably joined together in one person, without conversion, composition, or confusion, which person is very God and very man, yet one Christ, the only mediator between God and man. Paragraph 3. The Lord Jesus, in his human nature, thus united to the divine, in the person of the Son, was sanctified and anointed with the Holy Spirit above measure, having in him all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, in whom it pleased the Father that all fullness should dwell, <coughs> to the end, excuse me, to the end that being holy, harmless, undefiled, and full of grace and truth, he might be thoroughly furnished to execute the office of mediator and surety, which office he took not upon himself, but was thereunto called by his Father, who also put all power and judgment in his hand, and gave him commandment to execute the same. Paragraph 4. This office the Lord Jesus did most willingly undertake, which that he might discharge he was made under the law, and did perfectly fulfill it, and underwent the punishment due to us, which we should have borne and suffered, being made sin and a curse for us, enduring most grievous sorrows in his soul, and most painful sufferings in his body, was crucified, and died, and remained in the state of the dead, yet saw no corruption. On the third day he rose from the dead, with the same body in which he suffered, with which he also ascended into heaven, and there sits at the right hand of his Father, making intercession, and shall return to judge men and angels at the end of the world. Paragraph 5. The Lord Jesus, by his perfect obedience and sacrifice of himself, which he through the eternal Spirit once offered up to God, has fully satisfied the justice of God, procured reconciliation, and purchased an everlasting inheritance in the kingdom of heaven for all those whom the Father has given unto him. Paragraph 6. 
Although the price of redemption was not actually paid by Christ until after his incarnation, yet the virtue, efficacy, and benefit thereof were communicated to the elect in all ages successively from the beginning of the world, in and by those promises, types, and sacrifices wherein he was revealed, and signified to be the seed of the woman which should bruise the serpent's head, and the lamb slain from the foundation of the world, being the same yesterday, and today, and forever. Paragraph 7. Christ, in the work of mediation, acts according to both natures, by each nature doing which is proper to itself, yet by reason of the unity of the person, that which is proper to one nature is sometimes in Scripture attributed to the person denominated by the other nature. Paragraph 8. To all those for whom Christ has obtained eternal redemption, he does certainly and effectually apply and communicate the same, making intercession for them, uniting them to himself by his Spirit, revealing to them, in and by the Word, the mystery of salvation, persuading them to believe and obey, governing their hearts by his Word and Spirit, and overcoming all their enemies by his almighty power and wisdom. In such manner and ways are most consistent to his wonderful and unsearchable dispensation, and of free and absolute grace, without any condition foreseen in them to procure it. Paragraph 9. This office of mediator between God and man is proper only to Christ, who is the prophet, priest, and king of the church of God, and may not be either in whole or any part thereof transferred from him to any other. Paragraph 10. This number and order of offices is necessary, for in respect of our ignorance we stand in need of his prophetic office, and in respect of our alienation from God and imperfection of the best of our services, we need his priestly office to reconcile us and present us acceptable unto God. And in respect of our averseness and utter inability to return to God, and for our rescue and security from our spiritual adversaries, we need his kingly office to convince, subdue, draw, uphold, deliver, and preserve us to his heavenly kingdom. So I hope as we read through that, you kind of paid attention to some of the names and titles and, and kind of thought about what it meant in context there. Uh, so, yeah, before we pray and wrap this up, does anyone want to make any comments or thoughts or questions about what we've discussed? Did you say, do we know how his mother referred to him? Yeah. So, uh, I, can, I can think of very few references in Scripture itself. There may be some extra biblical references, but obviously we don't consider that infallible. So I don't know that we could trust them wholly and completely. Uh, my guess would be the Roman Catholic Church probably has a lot to say on that subject. Um, but no, offhand, I, I, I can't think of any references in Scripture on how specifically she, she referred to him. But that, you know, that's an interesting question and one, one that bears some research and, and some digging. Do you have another question, Brian? Did she give him 
I believe the the angel revealed the name of Jesus. Uh, yeah. She may have called him something else. Or she took the name because the angel. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure she, just like every mom has, has different names for their, their children, especially pet names and cute names, I'm, I'm sure being fully... Uh, Fully man and uh, Mary being, uh, you know, a human woman, I'm sure she, she had other names for her son. Yeah. Sorry, Philippe, I missed that. No, I know, I said just uh, thank you for taking the time. That was informative for sure. Oh, well, th- thanks for listening in, um, all of you, and, and thanks, Misty, for. For being here. So, if uh, if no other comments, let's uh, let's wrap this up in, in prayer. Okay. Father and our God, we uh, again thank you that we can that we have the freedom to to come together, to fellowship, to study your Word and your truth, to try to um, by your by your Spirit understand it more and more. Lord, we pray that tonight's session has been edifying and transforming to our minds uh, that we uh, have heard truth uh, extrapolated from your inerrant word that uh, no no falsehood has been taught uh, or, or heard but Lord we pray that it definitely is edifying to our souls and we pray that you fill us through your spirit with a continued desire to know you more and more and to study your word more and more uh, I thank you again for for those listening and participating uh, I pray for your hand of protection upon them, and uh, just pray that uh, we will be able to uh, safely meet uh, again for our next session. Uh, we ask that you forgive us for all the many ways we failed you and sins against you, and just that you fill us with a spirit of um, righteousness, and that we seek your will and, and seek your face, Lord. We pray all these things in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.